Hey y'all, what is up? Welcome back to the She's Unoffendable podcast. And that she is me, Rebecca Hamilton. I am a law of attraction expert, a coach, an online course creator, and a realtor. I love helping people bridge the energetic gap between where they are and where they want to be so that they start to see real changes in their lives. If you want to level up your energy in every way and start creating the life you really want, you are in the right place. If you want to know more about me, my story, how to connect, check out my website at www.rebeccaahamilton.com. All right, y'all, let's do this. So how is everybody? It's been a few days since I've been on and I've been thinking about it. I'm doing so many cool things right now and I want to tell everybody all about it, but I'm sure you just don't want to hear about all about that. You want to get to the good juicy content. Before I get there, let me give you an update because I've been giving my listeners an update. Um, So we're waiting. (laughs) That's my update. My update is there's no update. So it's been crazy because we have everything we need. This is the first time in history that we've had everything we need. We got the final pieces. We're ready to go, ready to go, ready to go. And then all of a sudden it was like, we had to stop. And, you know, in the past, this is a a interesting fact. Some years ago, uh, we almost got divorced and it was because of a situation with a lawyer and some misunderstandings and some things that just went a little bit too far. And anyway, we had both actually signed the divorce papers. We were going to get divorced. Uh, He didn't want to get divorced. And to be honest with you, I didn't want to, but I just wasn't sure what to do. And I thought, well, fuck it. I'm getting a divorce. (laughs) which is hysterical because I'm so not that, you know, I'm so, I mean, we've just been through so much. We've been together so long and, you know, it's easy to say that when I'm, when I don't have it in my face, when I'm not, you know, it's just such a unique situation. So anyway, so, um, three days. So, okay. So we both signed the divorce papers, go down and see the magistrate and he and I are still talking. We're still friends. We're still, you know, talking And all of a sudden my son was like, Hey, I want to go see dad for Christmas. And I'm like, all right, we go up there. Like the minute that I saw him, every single piece of that melted away. And what had happened is just that the situation, you know, like we're not, I'm not perfect and neither is he. And we're just doing the best we can. And it was just like the moment I saw him, my world was right. And it was like, what divorce? What? We're getting a divorce? What? And, um, so he came back home in three days to spare. I went down and canceled the divorce. So that was a crazy story that, um, it was just really crazy. It was a crazy time. And there was a lot of going on and figuring out, um, going on at that time. So, so anyway, um, so now here we are, we're in this place and, we almost could have went down that same road, that triggered road of, we haven't heard anything, what's taking so long, blah, blah, blah. And instead we've decided to listen. We've decided to let it show up because everything else has happened so perfectly that why would we question it now? Like, and I feel like we do that so much. We start taking score. We want to control that outcome so, so much. We wanna say, hey, this is how it should go. This is people should get back to you this quickly. It should happen like that. But anytime we're dealing in should, there's lack involved. So have to remove the should and have to go, you know what? Yeah, we didn't want it to be another Christmas that we had to wait. 
we wanted to have him home for Christmas. This will be year 19 that he misses Christmas, but year 2020, he's going to be here. Like I got a little choked up even thinking about it because year 2020, he's going to be here. Like we're going to be able to celebrate Christmas and I cannot wait. Um, so, so yeah, so we're just waiting right now, um, for just all of the pieces to come together. And I'd love to tell you more, but unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, fortunately, there's so much good juicy stuff, but I just can't talk about it yet, but just wait. So another thing to look forward to is I am, um, in the process of writing my book and it is, um, going to be out. I'm within six months. It's not something that I'm willing to use a ghostwriter for. And I've struggled back and forth with that. I know everybody and their mother is writing a book right now. I see a lot of them out there. A lot of people are ghostwriting. I personally want to put emotion into every single word in my book. So I just am not willing to do that. Um, because I just don't want to just tell my story. I mean, big deal, Rebecca. Great. Your husband's in prison. You've been able to do X, Y, and Z. Well, freaking great. But I want to help other people be able to do X, Y, and Z. I want you to feel, I want you to be able to feel the emotion jump off the page. Like I want you to feel when you're done reading that book, my intention is that you feel invincible, that you're like, oh, hell yeah, I am going to get it. Um, and that is really what it's about. So. I'm super excited about that, and I have a lot more to share about that, but I'm not going to do it now. Um, but anyway, so those are my big updates, and thank you guys for listening. As usual, I completely, completely appreciate you. So what I wanted to talk about today is authenticity. I know you've heard it. I know everybody's talking about it. How do you be authentic? How do you be authentic? How do you be authentic? How do you be real with people? Well, here's the thing is that a lot of people are still searching for themselves and I still am in some ways. I think we all are. I think we're like, we're such an evolution that it's, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, obviously we can, we can be authentic in the moment, but authenticity to me is more than just being transparent with what's going on. So like I see these posts and I see these things and obviously I do a lot of my business on social media. So I tend to see a lot on there and then I'm in a coaching realm. So I tend to see what a lot of people are putting out and I'm always interested in, um, content and like what kind of stuff people are saying. Cause it's, it's just, it, to, like I like to connect the dots go like what what do they think that's gonna not that it's not working or it, or it is or it isn't working it's like what's the motive that is literally something I've thought about since I was little what is the motive why why is somebody doing what they're doing it is so so intriguing to me but anyway I keep seeing people do this thing where they're trying to be very transparent I'm sure in an effort to make people feel like they're not alone or to make people feel like it's not all you know, grins and giggles. It's also, there's like this other side to when you wake up and you have a bad day and what do you do? And, um, whatever. So I see a lot of that going on. People trying to look authentic by, and, and I'm not saying they aren't being authentic, but I'm saying like, they're trying to, they're trying to be authentic. That in and of itself is like the first thing that is like a trigger or like a warning. It's like warning, warning, somebody's trying. So when you're trying, it's like, it's a, it's a different thing. Being authentic to me is a totally different thing. And I know for anybody listening, no matter what walk of life you're in, it's always going to help you to be authentic. I'm going to tell you this 
um, you know, when I was young, I, well, not when I was young, when I was a teenager, I was young, but not when I was like little, but when I was a teenager, you know, growing up with rashes, I had to figure out like, how do I love myself anyway? Like, how do I just figure out who I am and be okay with it? And then how do I start showing up in a way that I love myself no matter if anybody else does? And I had a unique privilege in that I had those rashes for so long. They, it really was a privilege because it really helped me to reshape and rethink how I felt. So I didn't get knocked off the first moment somebody doesn't like me. I'm like, so what? Like big deal. You know, it's not the same thing to me because I figured out I've used, you know, I used all those years to figure out how to get around it. It doesn't mean that I don't want people to like me. It doesn't mean that I don't want to be a part of anything, but it just means that I really did have to take the time to figure out how do I do this thing called life? Like, how do I go through it? Having these rashes, having these, you know, things go on. Um, how do I go through it and how do I be okay? So anyway, fast forward. Um, something that has always served me well is just being exactly who I am. One of the things that it does for you is it helps other people feel comfortable with you. Like if you're comfortable with yourself, if you're not putting on fronts, if you're not putting on um, or acting like you're okay when you're not, if you're not sweeping things under the rug. So being authentic is really about being able to tell your story in a place of abundance, like in a place where, because if you go back to authenticity is going back to the source, right? That's authentic. Like you want authentic Italian food, you better go to Italy. You want authentic Mexican food, you got to go to Mexico. It's like, you got to go back to the heart of it. And what is the basis of us? Like, what is that? And the basis of us, as far as I can tell, is love. Love is the basis for all of who we are. Now, that doesn't mean that we're always connected to it. It doesn't mean we're always allowing it, but that is like the basis of it. So if you are not telling your story from a basis of love yet, maybe you haven't figured out how to process it. Maybe you haven't figured out how to turn it around to serve you. Maybe you haven't figured out the benefit that it that it did for you. Maybe you haven't thanked it and loved it. I'm not sure. But what I found is that the people that are most authentic have looked at their story and they've been able to really and truly understand it and appreciate it. And I know that that's the case because, you know, something that I really had to go through was the situation with my husband. So everybody knows, I'm sure if you're on here, you know, my husband's in prison, right? Just talked about it. Everybody knows that I was actually on a call the other day and the girl said, Oh my God, are you Rebecca? Like the one who is fighting for her husband out of prison. And I was like, yes, <laughs> I felt so weird. And she was like, Oh my gosh, that's so crazy. Cause her husband had gone through a very severe brain trauma injury from an accident a couple years ago and was paralyzed. And so there was a parallel there of sticking with somebody when, when the chips are down. And so she was so excited to be talking to me. And anyway, that's a, that's a definite side note, but it's part of telling your story. Like that's the reason that you want to get authentic. Cause then you can really make those connections. Like you think about the people who always say like they're lonely, but there's a ton of people in the room. And the reason they're lonely, the reason they don't feel that connection is because they haven't connected with themselves. Like that's where it starts. And so, so if the root of us is love, then if we can look at our story and genuinely look at it. So my story with my husband, listen, 
do I think he needed to go to prison to learn the things that he's learned or for me to learn the things I've learned? No, I don't. But I can literally look at our situation and go, you know what? This happened for not for a reason like this, like being tested or an outside reason. You know, I don't really believe in that, but it happened the way that it happened. And to me, so in my mind, the way, like when I look at the situation with the prison thing, and maybe this will help you figure out something in your own life. When I look at the prison thing and I look at how big that was, it was huge. And the sentence that they gave him was essentially a death sentence. I mean, had he been here in Florida, that would have been a death sentence. He would have been on death row. Um, and so, or had he been out in the world, he could have been killed. Like if it's death, it's death. Right. And so I think about like, I feel so lucky that he's still here. I really do. Like, I feel so thankful that I've been able to grow with him over the years, even though it hasn't looked exactly like society would say is right, or even exactly how I would have wanted it. I mean, that's the thing with creation is that that how is a hell of a thing. How and and trying to dictate things, that's just not where it's at. Yes, you raise your energy. Yes, you get into the place. But when you start getting into things have to look a certain way, that's when life gets super duper stressful. And so I let go of that a long time ago. But finding those pieces, like I was on a podcast recently and um, being interviewed and the lady on there was just like, so in this victim mode of, you know, I don't know how you, you know, get through the days and what they did to you was so horrific and blah, 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 like all these things. And I just thought, yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying. And I do think that what happened was really, really wrong, but there is no angst in me anymore because the angst goes away when you're able to look at the situation and you're able to understand that no, we didn't ask for this. No, we didn't need it. We participated energetically, but we did not need it. Uh, we did not want it. And that's a big distinction. People need to realize, like, listen, there is so much power. There was so much power in us, in us, like claiming this. There was so much power in saying, you know what? No, we didn't want this, but shit, it looks like we we're accountable. Like our messy energy got us here. And so what do you do about it now? Like, what do we do about it? We've got to slow the train down. We've got to turn the train around. And that's what we've done. And interestingly, it took him, he was 25 when this happened and it's been 19 years to turn it around. And so crazy, like so crazy. Now it doesn't take us 19 years to turn things around generally. I mean, you can turn things around really quickly, but um, in the system, you also have to work with what you have. So anyway, we're kind of off track here, but when it comes to authenticity, when, and the reason I talk about authenticity is number one, as a business owner, I think it's really important that I own my story, um, that I own who I am. And because not only is it going to bring clients to me, so I have a coaching business, um, I coach, I have an online uh, membership platform, Alignment Hackers, um, that I am in and I coach in there. And there are certain types of people that I want around, right? There are certain type of people that I want to teach with. Just because somebody has money doesn't mean that I want them on my calendar. And that's not being like snobby or anything. It's that 
I couldn't like, for instance, if somebody was like a super victim, I probably am not the right coach for them. Like that's just not gonna me personally. Like I wouldn't jive well with that. If somebody is a bully, wrong answer. We're not going to jive well. You know what I'm saying? Like there's certain people that it doesn't matter. There are certain people that, um, or certain energies, I should say that are just not going to jive with me. So it's really important to me because see, you messy create the most when you haven't owned your story. You messy create the most when you haven't figured out who you are and you haven't accepted and, um, appreciated and felt the depth of that perfectness, even in all its imperfection. And that brings me to tears almost because, gosh, I got all teary eyed. What the heck? <laughs> because it's so profound to me that we are all in such a perfect state right where we are. And I just had this conversation with somebody. Um, they were talking about how we, um, you know, how you have to go back and fix and all of that. And, and sure, there are situations where, where we do need to give a little bit more focus to stuff, but it is profound to me how powerful we are, how perfect we are in this moment. Like we are perfect right now and everything we need is right now. And the sooner that we can own it, the sooner that we can release. So isn't it crazy to know that the distance between you feeling whole and, and not feeling whole is the distance that you, the amount that you're willing to own your story and every single piece of it. And that doesn't mean that you have to go and tell everybody every piece of your story, but you have to own it. If you are looking at your story and it is causing you pain, then you are telling it wrong. You are telling it from a lack perspective and there's nowhere to go with that. There's nowhere to get power if you're going to tell your story in a lack perspective. You've got to find a place of power with your story. Sorry, I had to wipe my nose. <laughs> TMI, I know. But anyway, so that's really what I wanted to talk to you guys about is like going in and finding the story. So I challenge all of you to go in and find the stories, start looking for what are, what, who am I? What am I comprised of? What are the situations in my world? What are the ones that I'm ashamed of? Those are the ones that I want to find. Those are the ones I want to retell. Those are the ones for a long time. I, I carried shame and guilt, um, about my husband, about, you know, you're with a guy in prison and are you that type of person? And you're that type of, you know, you, oh, and you know, he's probably this type of person. It's like all the stigma that goes with it. Um, and you know, I just, I carried that for so long and it wasn't until I looked it right in the face and I said, you know what? You don't scare me. You don't scare me to tell this story anymore. I'm going to fully embrace who I am and I'm going to make it right. I'm not going to wait for somebody out in society, somebody outside of me who has no idea what's right for me to validate me, to make it okay for me, to give me closure, whatever, like all of the things that we're always waiting for other people to say, to agree with us. Do you know how many people I see out here asking for opinions? Let me tell you guys, 
if you don't already have your mind up, stop asking for opinions. It doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter. If there's a negative way for it, you just stop asking for opinions. I'm not saying that you don't like if you're in a really trying situation, you're really not sure what to do. But I see people asking for opinions about so many things that it's like, listen, you've got to figure out, you've got to get your deciding skills on. You've got to strengthen those muscles, your deciding skill muscles. And it's so easy when we aren't making the decisions, when we're constantly putting off to somebody else, that we start to lose touch with that connection to ourselves to start to know our own voice. Y'all, I knew somebody back in the day, they couldn't even make a damn decision about a, a comforter without checking with somebody else. Listen, freaking get, get, get very comfortable with being a shot caller. Be a shot caller. Shot callers are confident. They know what they want, but they're also willing to hear and be flexible. So that's always my position is like, okay, here's what we do. Oh, you don't think we should? Why? Okay. All right, cool. Well, let's do this. You know what I'm saying? Or no, this is what I think still. You know what I'm saying? Start having an opinion and, and stop making other people have to agree with it. Who gives a shit what anybody thinks? Who cares if somebody else agrees with it? Their agreement doesn't make you more right. Do you know what I'm saying? Like you're still right and they're still right and everybody's right and it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. So this whole thing, I know I've been all over the board because this is how I roll and I like it because I love to get out the things that I'm inspired to talk about in the moment. And so, yes, y'all, we got to start owning our stories. So pull out those stories that you are scared of, the ones that you worry that somebody's going to judge you because of, and look at them and see how can you start reframing them. Start looking at what parts of the story, what am I telling that I know for sure? What am I telling that's true? Is it true? Does the universe think it's true? Is it something where I could tell the story differently? So I'm going to give you guys an example. This is a story from me growing up. Okay. I, and I always say I was very, I was a bad child, right? This is a story that I'm about to tell you this story. This story is one that made me believe that I could do anything once I turned it around. Okay. so. When I was young, my mom, um, I had come home, I was out that night. So we played the game of you tell your mom you're coming over here. I tell my mom I'm going over there and we stayed out all night. Just being bad. That's Ziggy snoring if you hear anything. Anyway, so I come home that night. Uh, it's a really long story. So I'm not going to tell you everything that happened that night, but needless to say, I came home and I had scratches and stuff on me because we had been running through the woods. That's a whole nother story for y'all. Um, the, the important part to remember is it matters who you hang around. <laughs> so, so, um, so I get home the next day and my mom's like, what the heck? I had actually jumped a fence that night and my ankle was, I'm pretty sure I broke it though. I never got x-rays. I don't think they ever took me for x-rays. Um, but anyway, so I ended up, um, my mom was like, what are you doing? You're on drugs. Like she thought I was on drugs. So, so anyway, so she ended up sending me to my dad's. Uh, in Ohio to go on a vacation. She said I was going to be there for two weeks. 
So I get up there, get to my dad's, bring my stuff. I'm like, okay, this would be a good little break, whatever. And, um, and she couldn't control me. I literally was looking for love in all the wrong places. I was running away. I was doing whatever I wanted to do, basically. Like nobody could have told me anything. And so I get up to my dad's day before I'm getting ready to leave. I'm like, where do you want to go? And so the whole time I was there, he was like, you should stay here. I'll get you a car. I'll get you a job. And I can still remember the smell in the air during that visit. Is that not the craziest thing? It's like the things we remember when emotion is involved. But anyway, so the day before where I'm getting ready to come home, I said, Hey, you know, where do you want to go? I asked my dad, where do you want to go for the last night here? And so there was no way that I wanted to stay there because my dad was a very angry man. It scared me when I was little and it never felt comfortable. Even when I was older, I maybe wasn't scared, but I still was like freaking traumatized by it. So anyway, he was just very angry and loud and verbal about it. Not necessarily abusive, like beat you up or anything, but just very loud and angry, not just with me, but with everybody, the whole world. So anyway, um, I mean, he wasn't like the worst guy ever. I don't want to paint him that way, but when he got mad and it would happen very quickly, it was like that hair trigger. Then it was like, oh shit. So Anyway, my, my parents, so my dad said about that, about it being your last night and my heart dropped into my stomach. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And he said, you're not going to go home. And I was like, what? And I could not believe I felt it's, I felt so betrayed by my mom at that moment. I was so upset. Right. So I decided that I was going to, I was like, I'm, I've got to figure out how to get home. I called my mom. I was really upset with her. It's the only time ever I told my mom I hated her. I never did that. I've never been a disrespectful person. It's just not how I am. But I told her I hated her that day. Um, and in that moment I did. Um, because these things are verbs, y'all. Hate, love, all these things are verbs. I think we all should get like better suited to realize that it's, it's in, in the moment. Anyway. So, um, a couple weeks later I had ended up with $40. My aunt had given it to me for some reason. I don't know why. And I was trying to think of every single way that I could get home and I couldn't think of it. Anyway, I called my mom one day and I said, Hey, if I get home, can I live there? Like, are you saying I can't live there? And she was like, yeah, 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 sure. If you get home, you can live here. She knows I don't have any money. She knows there's no possibility of going to get anywhere. And so Anyway, I talked to a friend, a friend who said, yes, I will get you a bus ticket. Just go down to the, to the Greyhound um, bus station and I'll get you a bus ticket. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Well, this is the same friend who had done a lot of things that were not very nice. And I just kept coming back for the abuse. Don't ask me why. And so I get to the bus station. I decide I'm going to do it. I call a cab. I use my $40 to get to the bus station. I pack my hair dryer. I packed like a couple things and I leave. Now, when I leave, I'm in downtown or I'm in Akron, right outside of Cleveland. And I leave. So my dad's apartment, the front door locked, but also the, the front door of the building locked. So you needed two keys, but I only had one. So I knew if I left, I wasn't going to get back into the building without him figuring out and yada, yada. 
So anyway, so I get down to the bus station, call my friend and another girl answers the phone and I'm like, Hey, let me talk to so-and-so. And she's like, Oh, she can't first. I couldn't get her on the phone. And then finally they answer and she's like, Oh, she's not, she can't get you a ticket. She just, she lied. And I was again, stomach, heart in my stomach. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, what am I going to do? So literally like a moment, like in the movies, I go sit down in the bus station and I'm crying. A guy walks by me. He's like, Hey, I don't know if this is help. This will help, but here's 20 bucks. He gives me $20. I'm like, thank you. So I got 20 bucks in my pocket. I look up and there is literally a, um, poster that says trailways sponsors runaways. And I was like, Oh snap, I'm a runaway. I'm running away. <laughs> Let me see if this will work. So literally I'm devastated. I'm crying. I probably looked like a runaway for sure. I go up to the counter. I'm like, Hey, I'm a runaway from Jacksonville, Florida. And she's like, okay, take a seat. I don't remember the exact conversation. She said, okay, take a seat. I go take a seat. She makes a phone call. Maybe 15 minutes later, two police officers walk in. Oh my. A lieutenant, Ziggy, a lieutenant and another guy or a sergeant, whoever it was. I think it was a sergeant actually. So anyway, they come in, they call me over there. I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't know the cops were going to be called. I figured they would give me a ticket and then that would be that. So the cops are called, they come, I come, they say, Hey, come on out. We go by the squad car and they said, Hey, yeah, yeah. You look like crap. You shouldn't have run away, whatever. What's your name? We're going to run you through the runaway registry. So I told him my name was Renee. My name was Renee. They look in the registry and they're like, there's no Renee. And I'm like, yeah, duh. But anyway, so I'm still crying because I'm crying now thinking I'm about to get in trouble. So they put me in the back of the car and they take me to McDonald's, <laughs> get me food and bring me back, give me a bus ticket home. And literally during that trip, I was so stressed. I was like, I had $20 and I just got little snacks. It took me almost two days to get home because back then, I mean, I'm on the bus and I was so stressed. I can't even express to you. I was scared to get off at different stations because I thought that maybe my dad would have like gotten the car and caught up with us because it's slow as the bus drives and, but never did. And I never called anybody. When I got into Jacksonville, I called my mom and I said, Hey, can you come get me? Like I'm in Jacksonville. And she's like, she was just floored. She's like, are you kidding me? And so she, she could, she, she told me later, she said, I couldn't be mad at you because I was so shocked that you got all the way across the country. She said, I knew then you could do whatever you wanted to do. So, and she was flattered. Like she really felt like, you know, she was like, Oh, you want to come see your mom anyway? <laughs> so, which I did. I love my mom. So Anyway, my dad was in extremely pissed. And so that story could have gone two different ways, right? I could have taken that story and taken it for what my dad thought. My dad thought that I was a jerk, that I was deceitful, that I left and I lied and I this and I that, right? And my mom, I don't know what she thought, but she thought it was kind of a badass for getting all the way down here. I innately took the one that felt better, 
But if I had taken it the other way, for instance, I heard somebody tell me one day, not that long ago, one of my clients was talking to me and she was telling me about how she was so dumb because this thing happened to her, but she basically escaped death. And I'm like, how is it dumb? Like to me, it's not dumb that you got yourself in the situation. Life happens. What's awesome is that your energy, your alignment, your forethought and your presence of mind is what got you out of it. Like everything is about how we shape our stories. So, and then when we shape them, you know, believing them, fully believing those stories. So, so anyway, y'all, I've been rambling. I know this is a little bit longer one. I love you guys to death. And isn't that a crazy saying? I love you to death. Well, I guess it's just until you die. I love you, whatever. But um, I'm out of here. I got to go. But until next time, you guys have an amazing day. And I will, in fact, be back.